All right, again, uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read from uh, chapter 5, starting at verse 13. If you could stand with me uh, as we uh, get ready to read uh, the word, appreciate it. All right, Galatians 5, I'm going to start at verse 13, I'm going to go to 18, and then I'm going to skip down to 22. Uh, So starting with verse 13, Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the spirit and you would not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, You are not under the law. Let's skip down to verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live it by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's pray. Lord Father, we ask you, Lord, today to just work through our pastor, Lord, speak through him, so it may touch our hearts and our souls, Lord Father. And we may, Lord Father, be transformed as we walk out today. Help us, Lord Father, hear you. Help us, Lord Father, get closer to you and a closer and deeper relationship with you, Lord. And help us, Lord, begin to live more by the Spirit. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Randy. All right. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you. Yeah. So, hey, Randy, can I get that $20 real quick? That $20? I just need it real quick. You know that $20 I borrowed? I think you borrowed like two weeks ago? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i remember can i get my 20 dollars back now i mean i'm about to can i get it now that'd be good yeah i actually do have it hold, hold on just hold on <laughs> sorry y'all just doing a little sorry, housekeeping here yeah here hold on how about cough drops i got cough drops no, I don't uh cough drops, buddy. <laughs> there we go there there's 20 dollars for you all right cool all right. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> well, my debts have been settled up and paid. That's good. Uh, I, you know, I didn't pay Eric to read the scriptures and give the announcements. Maybe I need to be... <laughs> How many of y'all know this is a bit? All right, y'all are with me, right? I asked Peter to ask me for $20, and I gave him one instruction. I said, one instruction here's what it is. He said, what is it? I said, whatever you do, don't say thank you. (laughs) I'm going to give you the $20 and whatever you do, don't say thank you. Because I got a little job to do here. 
Should he have said thank you when I gave him the 20 bucks? I mean, should he? You're not going to get judged. You're not even taking sides, all right? Should he have said thank you? Raise your hand if he should have said thank you. How many of you think I should have said thank you because I was actually the one that loaned him, the, you know, that, that got the 20 bucks, you know, that he should have had been paid back already, right? How many of you think both of us should have said thank you, right? There's, there's a better way to do things in relationships, isn't there? There are things that you are owed, and there are things that you expect, and then there are things that you are given. And put yourself in Peter's spot for a minute. He loaned me 20 bucks. That's, that's not true, but you know, we're pretending today. And here's the thing. I can't give him 20 bucks. All I can do is repay what I already owe him, right? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Now, I want to start here in our brand new teaching series that's called Relationship Status. And this is really, really important and valuable information. And I think you'll remember this because it was a little awkward, right? That here's the thing. For you and for me, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't miss something that is very, very true. And I even put it up here on the screen. Don't miss this, all right? Anything you do for me that I feel you already owe me is a payment, and it's never a blessing. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to talk about what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anything you do for me that I feel you already owe me is a payment. It's not a blessing. So if I expect you to constantly do the laundry like Shelly does at my house, I only notice when she doesn't do the laundry at my house. I know y'all think I'm a pig. I get it. And you're probably right, to be honest with you. But when she doesn't do it, I'm like, well, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with her? I never say thank you for the stuff that I actually expect. But we didn't sit down when we got married and Folks, we've been married over 29 years. That's a long time. Y'all, that, that woman's a saint. Can I get an amen, right? So here's the deal. The truth is, is that what she's done and done all of our marriage that I've just come to expect, I never say thank you for it, even though it's a blessing that I take for granted. But I'm in that mindset where that's what she owes me. If she owes me that, I never say thank you. It's just like if somebody borrows money from you, they give you back that money. You don't go, this is great. Thank you so much. You're like, cool. That's what you owed me. Now, why is this important in a relationship series? I don't know if you're figuring it out yet, but here is a very clear truth that we've probably not really thought too much about. I'm going to click to this next slide. And I don't know, I I grew up in Oklahoma that's where Shelly and I met. If you don't know much about our story, we started dating when we were juniors in high school. We went to both junior and senior prom together. There are pictures. I've got a beautiful mullet. You should see it. I mean, it was glorious, right? And so we've got all these crazy pictures from back in the late 80s and all this. Shelly's hair was about this big. Oh, oh my goodness. Wonderful. Still to this day, when she's fixing her hair and she rats it up this tall, I'm like, you're 17 all over again, baby. Looking good, you know. 
Here's the truth. Do any of y'all know what this is? Because if you grew up in Oklahoma, you might know what this is. Raise your hand if you know what this is. Do y'all know what this is? Okay, on the count of three, y'all tell me what it is. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, some of y'all said a cedar chest. That is true. But do you know what sometimes is a cedar chest, but it is also called something else? Anybody else? A hope chest. Okay, now I know we've got people from literally all different kinds of cultures. I don't know about your culture. Anybody here grow up in a different culture, but you know what a hope chest is? Can I see your hand? Is that an American thing? Is that a, is that a Texas thing? Is that a Southern thing? I don't know. You, do y'all tell me what a hope chest is, ladies? Y'all know what a hope chest is. It, you put stuff in a hope chest because one day it's for your, your marriage, Right? Like you put dishes. I think Shelly and I started dating when we were in, you know, it was freaky to look in there because I think she had a set of dishes. And you want to talk about things getting real, real fast. You look in a box that's in your girlfriend's, you know, room and she's got a set of dishes in there. And you're like, hmm, feels like a little bit of a commitment. You know what I mean? And so this is something that you do if you grew up in, you know, maybe in the South or here in America or whatever. But men... Any of you ever own a hope chest? Let me see your hands. Exactly. No, none of you men did. I, ladies, did any of y'all? Yes, Shelly's got one. We still use it as a set of piece of furniture in our house. But here's what's crazy. I want to just be very, very clear. You actually have like a, a figurative hope chest in your life. Did you know that? Even if you're a man. Now, I know I have a tool chest, you know, I have a chest workout, but I don't have a hope chest, right? This is not a manly thing. I don't look on Pinterest and think, oh, I've got to have this hope chest. This is great. No, I don't do that. You don't do that. We get this. All right. So here is the thing, though. I have a chest of expectations and hopes for my relationships, I've probably never sat down and started ticking them off and stuff like this, but I probably could look back and go, you know, that time that my mom, you know, kind of slowly walked through the living room and she had on a pair of slippers that was about 12 years old and a ratty old night coat and her hair was up in curlers. I remember saying to myself, I hope my wife never, ever dresses like that, right? Amen? Men, I know, I'm, I'm terrible, I'm shallow, right? I get it. Fine, you can judge me if you want. But these are things that we hope for. We have hopes and expectations and this thought process of this is what my life is going to look like. This is what my marriage is going to be. This is how our kids are going to be, you know. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you've lived together long enough, you know that those things are good to start with, but they're not reality. Can I get an amen? I mean, you've been together long enough to know. And here's what I would tell you. I'm going to tell you guys very, very plainly, I share this with you probably uh, as often as I possibly can and as often as I think about this. My wife and I are both Christians. We're very serious about our faith. We're very serious about our relationship and our vows. We've got three beautiful daughters who have now grown and are now gone, if you don't know me uh, and all my story and all that. But I'm here to tell you, I'm a pastor's kid I have two sisters. I am the one out of the three that is still married to their original spouse. Both of those sisters of mine married preachers' sons. So it's not like if, if you're really serious about your faith, marriage works out, it just finds its way. 
And I'm going to be even more real than you ever thought that I would be today. I promise you, if you shoot Shelly and I both full of truth serum, there have been times where I was ready to throw in the towel. And there have been times when she was ready to throw in the towel. Thank God it didn't all happen at the same time. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, because sometimes you're just grateful that she's not giving up when you did too. Or vice versa. And so I would just tell you that I talk about this stuff a lot. And yeah, it's no secret and it's no surprise that I'm talking about this stuff during the beginning of Valentine's Day week because it's kind of probably on your mind. And if it's not on your mind, that means you're a male. And if it is on your mind, that means you're a female, right? I mean, females, they care about this stuff more than we do. We've got a clue in, all right? So here is the truth. The truth is, is that even if you're serious about your faith, even if you love your wife, even if you love your kids and don't want to see your family drift or shift or change or dramatically go in different directions, I'm here to tell you that stuff is not easy. How many of you guys have ever seen on Facebook relationship status and you get to fill that in? There's, you know, I'm in a committed relationship. I know I'm not on Facebook. I don't know. But there is a button on there that used to be. Y'all can help me if it's still on there. It was the it's complicated button, right? I mean, there was a it's complicated. I'm here to tell you that button always applies. Can I get an amen? It's always complicated, whether it's with your grandkids or your kids or your parents or your siblings or your spouse or significant other or your sisters or brothers, whatever. It's always complicated and you and I always need clarity. And a lot of it comes from this right here, that you have hopes, you have expectations And the truth of the matter is, is that if I pumped you full of truth serum today and I ask you how many times have you and your significant other talked about this stuff, you would honestly say, I just think she ought to know. And I'm going to just be very honest. Ladies, you're more apt to give us credit as men to be included in on relationships than we actually are. You've probably said to your friend, well, if I have to tell him, I don't see the whole point in the first place. Well, here's what I would tell you. You've got to tell us. I'm sorry. We're just kind of brain dead to this stuff. We don't automatically flow in that direction in relationship situations. Our relationship status is more difficult for us to figure out than it is for you a lot of the time. So we lean on you, but it is also very difficult for us because we know it's important, but it doesn't come easy. Here is the truth. For most of us, we're just like this next picture, all right? Now, how many of you know that the man in this situation and the man in this situation It wasn't their parents that put that together. It just wasn't. It was the little girl, right? And they grabbed the nearest boy and said, here, dress him up in a a little tux or whatever. We never played dress-up wedding. Never. That just never was a thing for us boys. It just wasn't. And so this is something that you have desired many times for years more than we're, we're ever even aware of it being a thing. And so the relationship status is that hopes and expectations and considerations that you've done in your mind over and over for years and even decades, we've never even thought about. Because most of us didn't want to get married until we met you in the first place, right? You know what I'm saying? Because you were the first one that we thought, hey, this got a shot. You know, otherwise we didn't think that it would work. And so it is hard for us to get on the same page sometimes in our relationship status. 
Andy Stanley has some great words and some great things that I'm going to be kind of leaning on. And today's big idea is going to come pretty much word for word from some of his sermons that he shares. And you can always download one of his podcasts at Your Move with Andy Stanley. But I would just share with you this concept that you might not have ever thought about. God's word is so incredibly practical. We're going to talk more about Galatians chapter 5 in just a second. But I want you now to check out James chapter 4. Because this is going to tell you with God's word that the hopes and expectations and things that you expect to happen are things that sometimes won't happen for you. And it will tell you what the result of that is. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You guys understand that desires there? You could place, replace that with expectations. I think this is going to happen and then it didn't, right? I mean, and stop for just a quick second and think clearly. How many times has a fight risen from I expected this and I didn't get it? Or I didn't expect this to happen, but then it did, Right? I mean, that is a lot of our fights. So God's word clearly says this is what causes fights and quarrels. You expected something and didn't get it. And then that comes from your desires. You desire to have it, but you do not, so you kill. Now, I'm not saying that you kill. Like most of you are not wanted by the cops, although maybe one or two of you are. You look a little shady out there. You know who you are. So do I. All right, but here's the thing. You're not killing people, but you kill relationships off as you go, as you walk down the line, you know, they're not meeting my needs. This just isn't doing it for me anymore. I'm not, not feeling it anymore. I'm done with this, you know? But then it goes on, it says you want something or covet something that you cannot get. And so you quarrel and fight. And isn't it interesting to think about how clearly this describes us when our expectations in a relationship aren't being met? You quarrel and you fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And this is really insightful, too, because this word is telling us that a lot of the time we expect the other person to do all of the changing in a relationship. Or if we're really, really, you know, hardcore about our relationship, we might say, but I need to change a little, too. But most of us never say, God wants my relationship to change for the better. God can help me in this situation. And he's saying here, some of the things that you want most in your life with your kids, with your siblings, with your parents, some of those bridges that need to be rebuilt in your relationship, you haven't really gone to the place where you ask God to get involved. And so your relationships are not where they could be if you included God. You guys understand what I'm saying? Can, can I get an amen, right? All right, so here is what I know. I said don't miss this. The idea and the concept of an expectation that doesn't get fulfilled is never something, or an expectation that gets fulfilled is never something that I can be grateful for. And here's why this is important. Have you ever felt like, no matter what I do, is never enough for him. <laughs> no matter what I do, she never seems to appreciate what I'm trying to do. You know, it's almost like we're talking two different languages. Like we're saying one thing, but she's hearing this. And I'm saying this, but he's understanding it in this way. Why is that? It's because your expectations are not only not con connected 
with that person. They've never even been communicated. But even if they are trying to do something, it's become such an expectation that they're never going to be anything but back at ground zero. You're never going to say, this is a great relationship. Right. This, and let's be clear. Let's be real clear. None of you that are in a relationship thought to yourself, I'm going to get in this relationship and we're slowly going to make each other miserable. It's going to be great. No, you never did. Or you never thought, I can't wait to get married so we can have this mediocre existence with one another where we'll feel more like roommates and business partners than we will people who really love each other. No one ever says that. Until you've been married a while, and then you say some of those things and you go, how in the world did we get here? Because our expectations have gone so far out of bounds. And I'm going to be very honest with you, I didn't realize some of the expectations that were unspoken in our relationship that I never talked with Shelly about, but I was judging her for because she wasn't fulfilling them in the way that I thought she should have even though I never said a word. I'm sure it's just me, right? Nobody else ever has had that situation happen. Well, don't miss this. Let's go to this next piece here about this relationship status. Almost every person comes in with a relationship with a set of expectations for the other person to fulfill. Do you guys catch that? It's not for you to do for them. It's what you expect for them to do for you. It's crazy if you really think about it, that we come into relationships and go, this is going to be great for me. I don't really know what it'll do for you, but this is going to be great for me because you're going to do these things for me. But that's how we think and that's how we act. And usually we are skillful enough to kind of twist it and finagle it a little bit where it all kind of fits together. Or keep those things under wraps long enough for us to really get connected in a different way. But for most of us, we don't have relationships because we think, I can't wait to meet their needs. (laughs) This is going to be great. We say, I can't wait for them to do these things for me. Or if we're together, this will be what happens. And, And folks... It is difficult to really think and drill down on this concept, but I'm here to tell you if we'll drill down a little bit today, it might be something that will change your life together, and it might give you the way out of this mediocre existence that is a relationship that you have with family, friends, extended family, all that stuff. And let's just be very clear about this next. Don't miss this. Almost everyone has these expectations, but you rarely, if ever, verbalize them to the actual person that is expected to fulfill them. And I'm going to tell you what's even worse is that sometimes we'll be quick to tell someone else what they didn't do for us when we were expecting something else. And we'll verbalize exactly what was our expectation and what did not happen. But then when we get with that other person, we don't say, here's why I'm mad. Here's what I expected. Here's what you did instead. We just go, I can't believe you. Or if you're a man, you just go, (laughs) and you just walk away. You don't even know what to say. You wish it was different, and you don't know how to verbalize it. And so you never do, and you get on these different pages from people that never know what they did or didn't give you or didn't give you that you should have gotten in your mind. (laughs) Interesting stuff. 
If you guys are with me, y'all say amen. Come on now. I want to make sure. Ooh, okay. Best amen I've gotten in a long time. I almost want to ask for another one just in case, like for my ego. All right, but Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. I want to look at this and again. Oh, you know what? Back that up. My bad. I'll make sure that my unrealistic relationship expectations ensure that we fail as a couple, right? Never happens, but it does happen, right? All right, so let's go to this next line here from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. This is the passage that Peter read just a minute ago. It said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Instead, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you remember the old concept of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? You've heard that before. What is that? That means if you hurt me, I turn around and hurt you. If you injure my eye, (laughs) if you knock a tooth out, I'm coming to injure your eye and knock a tooth out for you. It's even, Stephen, it's back and forth. And what you got, you know, from me, I'm expecting to get back from you. It's keeping it on a level playing field and the scorecard is even, right? But is that what this says? Jesus is putting something totally new in place. He says, I'm giving you a brand new command. At the very end of his life, when he's with his disciples, he tells them, I've got a brand new command for you, and this is what it is. Don't just give eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but love one another. Not only do you give those things, you know, how you would like to be receiving them, but give in such a way that God has given from his own son to you. In other words, go that even further down the line and make sure that you are loving as Christ has loved you and serve one another humbly in love. And let's be very clear about something This passage of scripture is a transformational, powerful passage of scripture, and probably we take these things for granted, but let me just kind of rewind things for you so you and I know real clearly who was receiving these words. This is the Apostle Paul probably writing somewhere between 50 AD and maybe 60 AD approximately, and he writes these words down and he says, brothers and what? Sisters. You see, back in the day, and I'm just telling you how it was, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but back in the day, women were not on a level playing field at all. As a matter of fact, they were never considered in most things. But Jesus' followers transformed the way that the world looked at women and began to value them. There's transformational power that we as Americans in 2020 kind of take for granted. That women and men have equality in God's sight. But back when this was written down and sent out to this Galatian church, this church in the town and the city of Galatia, it was transformational. He says, brothers and sisters... You serve one another. And the men were like, what? You're talking about me serving a woman? What? The women were expected to serve the men, but the men were not expected to do anything but just receive the the service. Do you see how off kilter this is? But do you also see how transformational this is from God's word? It says, no, 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 no. 
You serve one another humbly in love. He goes on in another passage of Scripture and says, there is no more male or female. There's no more slave nor free. There's no more race or anything that changes that we are all one in Christ. And so I'm here to tell you this is transformational in its power. But this is in this passage of Scripture, you serve one another humbly in love. Now, very quickly, I want to just get really real with you. In all relationships, there almost always is at least one person who has a more passive personality and one who has a more dominant personality. If you are on the passive side, you need to be careful that that does not go towards enabling. But if you are on the more dominant side, you have to make a conscious effort and choice to be a person who doesn't always get on the receiving end of the serving. And instead, you need to consciously go out of your way and humbly serve everyone else. Not being constantly on the receiving, but always intentionally being on the giving end. This is how you serve humbly with one another in love. And you might be saying, man, I don't know about that. It's pretty good to be always on the receiving end. I'm here to tell you something, and I want you to make sure that you hear me. That works until it don't, <laughs> right? I mean, that works until it don't. And then when it don't work no more, I know that's great English, right? When it don't work no more, you got nothing left, and you've already used every one of your get-out-of-jail-free cards, right? And so here is the truth for all of us. We can go all the way down to the end of the line and nobody calls us on ourself. And nobody calls us on our stuff. And all of that happens. But then we turn around and go, well, why is my life empty? <laughs> why do the people kind of stay away from me? Why do I walk in a room and other people walk out? Because they're tired of being constantly on the giving end and you're doing nothing but receiving, receiving, and never being a blessing. Do you understand? Now, this is great because I don't know who you are. I'm just telling you the concept. You have to decide and determine, who am I? Am I that person that is maybe a little too passive, or am I on that person who constantly receives? But I'm here to tell you, you've got to be very careful because it can lull you to sleep if you are that person. Now, very quickly, let's just talk very quickly about clear and realistic expectations. I think we might have to jump back, Peter, um, and let's talk about this in the idea for your child, because this isn't just about a relationship between you and a spouse. I know some of you don't have a spouse yet, but maybe this is something that you need to check out and, and kind of understand. There's clear and realistic expectations, and then there's some that are maybe clear but not, or not clear and not very realistic. You can tell your child that they need to keep their room clean, but you know that it's almost impossible to get a child to keep a room spotless, right? If you raise the kid, you know. But which one actually is going to kill that relationship versus keep it going, right? If you've got to go in there and you go, <laughs> Let me do the white glove test, you know. My 13-year-old boy has left dust. This is not going to fly. Look, that might fly in the army. That doesn't fly with your 13-year-old son, right? So here's the deal. You can ask for them to keep your room clean, but spotless is ridiculous, right? Amen, right? Do I have any slobs out here? Can I get an amen from any of y'all slobs? <laughs> I'm like, yes, Lord. Oh, there's so much funny stuff that I could tell you, but I won't. Anyway, number two, 
You can ask your child to keep their mouth respectful, but I would tell you that if you decide that you're going to make sure that your child never gets to speak, never even asks a question, if they don't like it, they just sit there and glare at you, but they can't say a word. I'm going to tell you something that drives a wedge between you and your child. And can I tell you something else? Your child is taught to think and speak up in every other avenue of their life. And you know what? You eventually want them to express to you what's going on in their heart. But if they're not allowed to, de to deal with you in any kind of adult way, you're pushing them away in the long run. And here's what I know. I, I heard, I'm talking about Andy Stanley, I heard him say one time, the best thing that I could do is to raise a kid that says, you know what? I don't have to be in mom and dad's presence, but I want to be. Even when they don't have to come home, they do. Like, that's what I want. And, and so I can't tell them, you shut your mouth, you don't say a word. I'm the pastor, for goodness sakes, don't you dare question what I've said to you. Don't, you know. No, you tell them to keep their mouth respectful, but you don't necessarily say, you've got to keep your mouth shut every single time. Now, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to say, you know, let them go crazy, but you know what I mean. All right, so you talk about here, keep their grades up, but they don't have to have perfect score on every single test. I mean, how many of you have ever failed a quiz that you should have done, you know? I mean, do you want that person to be bearing down on you and saying, hey, you failed, what? You got a 94, that's the stupidest question that you could have missed on that test. What were you thinking? You know that. And you're like, man, I'm trash, you know? Like, do you want that? No. So this is the difference between clear, realistic versus this perfection that you push people down. And then you ask your child, they've got to keep their promises, you know, but what about you? Do you keep your promises or do you just demand for them? You know, hey, babe, we're going to go get you this and we're going to go do that and we're going to hang out and do all these things. And then you don't and you're like, well, that's all right. They'll get over it. No, you didn't keep your promise, but then you come back and you get on them for not keeping theirs, pushes them away. Relationship status, man, it can get a little tricky. And so we've got to have clear, realistic expectations. And you know what? Let's just jump down to this big idea. I had a couple other things, but let's jump down to this big idea so I could make sure and talk with you about moving forward. And this is the one that Andy Stanley says, and I think it is so beautiful. You go back and you look at Galatians chapter 5, and it says, Serve one another humbly in love. Here is what he is trying to say. Great relationships have developed into a submission competition. Great relationships have developed into a submission competition. Now, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. There's a lot of rhyming there. Hold on. Here's what I'm trying to convey. How many of you know that it's possible to stay together but not have a great relationship? Right? Of course you do, because you have siblings. <laughs> We're talking about somebody else. It's not you and your spouse, but you know that, right? So here's the question. Here's the question. What's the difference between staying together and kind of just barely making it versus truly having that relationship that nourishes and nurtures you and like feeds you? That, you know, we talk a lot about the Jesus talked about, I've come that they might have life they might have it to its fullest, its most abundant. Here is this thing, this submission competition. It doesn't make sense, 
But if you are both trying to outserve the other, this is when a relationship begins to get its own momentum. And it is crazy how much it can help and how, how good and how amazing it can be. But you and I both know that this is not usually how it works. We start off with this instead. We're like, well, she went out with her friends last weekend. So guess where I'm going this weekend? I'm going out with my friends. She spent $200 on a purse. What? $200 on a purse? Guess what? I've been having my eye on a fishing rod that costs about $200, maybe $250, but I'm looking at it. And guess what I'm going to get next week? I mean, I'm sure that none of this happens at anyone's here's house, but you know what I'm saying. It's eye for eye. It's tooth for tooth or even eye for eye plus one. <laughs> tooth for tooth plus a little more. But this idea of saying, you know what? I want to sacrifice for you. You get that. You know what? You deserve that. You go get that. I'm not going to worry about what I need right now. That time will come, but today is not the day. We're submitting to one another I'm doing this for you. Hey, I'll make that sacrifice. I don't have to have that, but let's do this instead. You know what? I really want you to have this new thing that is in your wish list for the last two years. I don't have to have that today. I don't have to have this this week or this month. I'll get that in three or four months when we've saved up for it, right? Like this is the submission competition. And when each of you is humbly serving one another in love, it ceases to be a competition. It ceases to be an aggravation. And it begins to be something that actually nourishes you and makes you whole. But for most of us, we never get to the submission competition part. It's we're pulling and making sure that we win. Now, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to listen real, cl real closely to what it says. It says, in chapter 15, or 5, verse 15, it says, If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Do you know what this is saying? It's saying that you can get in a pattern of being somebody who picks and picks and bites and little biting comments adding up until suddenly there's nothing left to bite. Do you understand? The concept here that Paul is trying to convey is if we're constantly picking at each other, if we're constantly saying the little biting comments, we don't think it's a big deal, but they're losing pieces of themselves and eventually there's nothing left. You can win every battle and lose the war. How many of you know that, right? If you're not very careful... You can win the battle, win a battle. You can have the last word. You can have the last little say. You get a chance to say something that puts them right in their place. Ooh, I can't believe I thought of something that good in that moment, but I'm sure glad I did. And you said it, and it left a mark, and you could tell, and you were happy about it. You know what? They might not ever say, but a lot of those things leave marks that eventually get to the place where you've devoured each other. You've killed the relationship and now you're like, why are they leaving? Why won't he ever talk to me? Why doesn't she want to spend her time with me instead of with her friends? Like, why? Man, you just think about the constant biting and the never encouraging, the never building up. 
can be very difficult to keep that relationship status where it needs to be. Great relationships have developed into a submission competition. And I want to tell you something. This is not worded by chance. They have developed because most of us don't automatically submit to one another humbly in love. We are out for the win, not for the win for all of us. And if you look closely, you know in your life, you're looking to win for me, not for us. And there's a big difference. If you guys understand there's a difference, y'all say amen. All right, so very quickly, let's go on to these next things of how to move forward in our relationship status. I'm aware of the time. We're going to move it quickly. Here we go. Moving forward, you've got to stop asking for the other person to meet your every need. You've got to make sure that this hope chest of yours, this thing that you thought it would be, man, my wife is going to want, she's constantly going to want to be with me. You know what? I'm going to be the center of her world. And then she's got kids. Like, you know what? Don't be a person that's competing with your three-year-old going, you know, how come I'm not getting that attention? You know, I mean, we can't do that. We've got to be mature and realize that there are times and seasons of life, but there's also friends that you have in your life. There's also a God in your life that can develop and help you. There's also family to give. And can I just tell you something? If you've never been happy in your life with yourself, it's probably not their fault. It's probably something that hasn't gotten fixed in here. And I'm also going to tell you that for most of us, the quickest, easiest fix is for us to blame someone else or reach out and support ourselves by someone else rather than doing the things that are harder, which is develop with friends, develop with God, develop self. Make some of those people in your family that know you better than you've ever known, anyone else has ever known you, make those relationships actually ones that feed you, not tear you down. It's tough. It's hard work, it's personal sacrifice, it's serving humbly, it's forgiving more than you wanted to forgive. But these are things that actually provide stability for you. And stop asking your kids to be the ones who meet every single need. It's not fair to them. All right, so we go on and on. All right, so number two, how else can we move forward? We recognize that we can manipulate, which means shame or complain or withdraw or pout or whatever. And we can get our way, but we can ultimately kill that relationship. But that basically just results in this downward spiral where you end up at the bottom of a relationship that just doesn't have anywhere else to go. And so we got to be very careful that we don't win and power up in order to win, but then find out we've lost in the end. Moving forward, number C, very quickly, be honest and very clear in the list of your expectations for someone else. And here's what I mean. You've probably never thought about it. You've definitely, I would guess, never written down, this is what I want for my spouse to do. This is what I expect of you as a son or daughter. This is what I want of you as a friend or anything like that. You've never been real clear. It's just kind of this fuzzy, nebulous thing. And you know what? You've probably had that put on you, and it was fuzzy and nebulous, and it was a goalpost that constantly moved. Do y'all know what I mean by a moving goalpost? Like, you, you can't score the touchdown because you don't know if you're going in the right direction or when you're actually hitting the right spot. Here's what I would say. Be very honest and very clear about what you desire in a relationship 
And be very clear that if you've got a list of 23 things and they've got a list of one, there might be a little imbalance there, right? You've got a list of three or four things and it's everything, but it's like, you know, and each one of yours is a paragraph. Well, maybe you're asking for too much from someone and your expectations are a little out of whack. All right, so just think about it and be very, very clear about what you want because here's what's crazy and we do this in this head of ours, that we get what we wanted and it still doesn't do everything we thought we'd feel. And so we're still not happy and it's still their fault even though they did exactly what we wanted them to do. Exactly what we told them we wanted. Do you guys understand? That happens. Don't pretend it doesn't. So we've got to be very clear. And then fourth and finally, real quickly, honest and open conversation once you actually get it clear in your mind what you want, you can actually have a conversation. But most of us just want to go back and blame rather than have it be very, very clear about this is what I need and this is what I want. And their expectations for you is a fair thing as well. Now, men, let me tell you something. I know what you want to do. You're like, well, whatever. I'm not going to say. Or we don't want to do this hard work either, men. But the truth of the matter is, is that you pretending that you don't have an expectation is something that's kind of still maybe a little immature in our way of relating. We want to go to a higher level. We've got to say, all right, I'm going to be very clear. When this happens, great. When this doesn't happen, I feel terrible. I feel a whole lot less than. I feel very disrespected when this happens. Well, then share it. But make sure that it's very, very clear and something that they've asked for, all right? Give and take for both. All right, very quickly, let's go ahead and go to this. How do you apply this message? You've got to be very clear on those unspoken expectations of those who are important in your life. And I would just say this. I would encourage you on the one blank to write down that expectation. And then I would encourage you to write down whether or not it's reasonable or not. How many of you know that you have some expectations of people that sometimes are a little unreasonable, right? I mean, we do this. This is just what we do. We want them to be this way and they're not, or we think that everybody should be the way that we are personality-wise, and so this is what we have expectations of, but it's not happening. Is it reasonable? I don't know. Sometimes it's not. And that's the thing that's driving a wedge in between our relationships. That relationship status is complicated. You know, I'm going to end in this way. I'm going to tell you a story about a girl. I, uh, I grew up with this young lady. We never had a relationship. She was a friend of my sister's. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. She got a brand new car. Well, it was brand new to her. She got a brand new car that her parents paid for, the entire car. Now, I didn't pay for my first car. I paid for half of it. Now, some of you are like, oh, what? You did half? Some of you are like, you did, they gave half? I mean, I don't know. Everybody does something different. But here's what I know. I was like, that's a better car than I could afford. And they gave it all to her. She doesn't have a job. They're paying for all of these things for her. This car is cool. It's awesome. It's amazing. It was so cool because it was like this Mustang. She got a Mustang. 
And it was awesome. It had a spoiler in the back. How many of y'all remember louvers? Like louvers were the thing, you know? I mean, awesome car. If you're listening now, sorry. Sorry, I don't mean to throw you under the bus. This happened back in the 80s, so I think it's okay. She got this brand new car. Everybody that was a friend of hers loved it. Loved it. Wanted it. You know how she felt? She was mad. She was mad. They'd spent thousands of dollars on a really nice car, incredibly dependable, fashionable, cool. But she had an expectation that her Mustang was going to be a new one, not a used one. And so it was not new. It also wasn't the new body style, and it also wasn't the higher level engine that everybody just loved back then. And so she received a gift that for many people would have been like, wow, mind-blowing. For her, it was, I can't believe this is what I have to put up with. Now, everybody can call her spoiled on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Spoiled. I get it. I get it. But doesn't this remind us that our expectations and where they are tell us a lot about what we're going to feel towards other people? And it's possible that I'm talking today to someone who has been treated really well. But it wasn't what you expected. And so it's never been anything but, uh, of course, that's what I get. It's what I'm owed. Of course, she did that for me. That's what a wife is supposed to do. On and on and on, this expectation thing gets so far out of whack that our relationship suffers deeply and we drift and sometimes even end up splitting and going in different directions all because of an expectation that was never realistic in the first place. Crazy. I'm sure she was spoiled, but none of us have ever been spoiled emotionally. Or is that too much? You know, (laughs) I have gotten under conviction a couple of different times about what I have expected of my wife and just come to assume. And I've told her a couple of different times, thank you for doing the laundry. And it's like, what? (laughs) You've never said thank you for doing the laundry, even though I've been doing it, you know, twice a week for 29 and a half years. (laughs) I'm behind. (laughs) A lot behind, right? But the expectation from me to her, I don't know why that ever got there. But if I'm not careful, all it is is I'm just receiving what I'm owed. And it's never enough, but just enough to put me back to zero. If that's where you are, I feel for you. Because if everything in this world is what you're owed, you never get something that makes life actually worth living, and it's called joy. The joy of having somebody humbly serve you, or the joy of humbly serving someone in love, 
Like that is what makes life rich and worth living. But if the expectations are here and all you ever do is just meet it and get even, you're living your life in a way that you're missing out on a lot of joy and a lot of fun. The submission competition that Jesus prescribed for his disciples, which includes us, not just for our relationships, but our friendships, our people that we meet and know, could change our life. But we've got to be willing to lay down some expectations and take up some others that serve others in love with humility. Heavenly Father, as we end today, I pray that we would not be spoiled children. That emotionally it should not be about me winning, it should be about us winning. And God, I just pray that you would get a hold of my heart and change me where the expectations of things that happen or don't happen in my friendships or in my relationships with family or my kids or my wife, I I pray that that would change. And instead, dear God, that I would be a man who reflects your love, your appreciation, your servant's heart. Please direct in my life and make me someone who doesn't expect but appreciates someone who serves and humbly loves other people rather than makes assumptions that things should go all for me. I pray that you would just change my heart on the inside and make me a man that is more like you. And today, God, if you've spoken to one here today, I pray that they would make a recommendation to themselves, that they would follow this recommendation I give, that they would humbly serve as your word has commanded us to do. God, be with us and change us, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen. Guys, thank you so much for your time and for your attention. If you do have a prayer request that you'd like to share before you leave, on the backs of all of these chairs here in these middle two sections, there should be a gap card in there, and you can place that either with someone at the reception counter or in the pillar as you leave. We're going to have a lovely lady out there giving you a gift, uh, just our way of saying thanks. And if you'll turn in your EHC Connect card with your number, if you're you're here for the first time, I'll send you a Starbucks card, and you can have a, a Starbucks on me. Uh, You don't even have to share it with me, okay? It'll come to your phone, all right? But we appreciate you being here and being a part of today's service. So please come back, stay connected, and be a part of the things that are going on. We're going to be sharing over the next four weeks some stuff about your children, how to raise some better kids, how to get along a little better, how to get over conflict, how to communicate a little better. So be here. It'll be a blessing to your relationships. I believe it with all my heart. And so we're going to end today the way that we always do, and you can say it along with me. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. You're dismissed. Love you guys.